Hello and thanks for tuning in today. We're super excited to welcome you to The Debunk, the first series of our Adobe Chats program. With the help of industry experts, we'll be using each episode to unpack some of the biggest myths in digital, marketing and e-commerce. Today, we're myth-busting. Every business decision needs to be 100% backed by data. Because we all know data matters. But when is it actually helpful? And when are you overanalyzing? Let's dive in, shall we? These days, it's a rare organization that isn't striving to use data to make smarter business decisions. But have we taken this too far? Do businesses really know how to get the most from their data? And are brands now relying on data at the expense of common sense? Joining me today to tackle this topic are Tony Sakina, formerly from Data IQ, Hervé Schneck from data consultancy Station 10, and Adobe's Steve Allenson, three individuals who, in different ways, have built their careers on the importance of data. Tony Sakina is an avid journalist covering data and tech and a self-proclaimed word nerd. Hervé is principal data scientist at Station 10, an organization dedicated to turning customer data into usable insights. And Steve heads up product marketing for Adobe's audience and data platform technologies in EMEA. He has plenty of experience in creating audience-centric strategies for digital marketing. So between the four of us, we should be able to unearth plenty of interesting perspectives about the myths surrounding data. Let's get started. Whether it's enhancing customer experiences, personalizing marketing campaigns, spotting new opportunities, or simply proving ROI more effectively. It feels like data has become the silver bullet for all of the challenges businesses face. But what's the reality here? Tony, you've spent a lot of time looking at businesses that use data and machine learning to impressive effect. What are the main ways in which you see data being used by businesses? And how central do you feel data is to informing business decision-making? Yes, you're right. I've seen a lot of ways in which data is being used by businesses. I think one of them is quite a famous example, and that's Target in the US, like back in 2012. And it was the case of Target sending out a promotion for um, coupons of baby and pregnancy uh, items. And this was, well, the legend goes that it was unbeknownst to the father of a teenage um, woman. So what happened there was the statisticians who were doing all the data crunching were able to see that there was an increase in the purchase of unscented lotions and soaps. And at the start of the second trimester, I believe, that's when women become a lot more sensitive to these kind of things. So that's, that's a way to increase your sales by seeing what people are buying, getting to know a bit more about their life stage and promoting to them products that they'll use. Um, another example is TUI, the global travel company, which had a problem where it was not making the most of its customer interactions. It was sending out a standard of three emails to each customer pre-holiday. After implementing a data lake, bringing in lots of information that the customers had in terms of interactions, feedback, they were able to see that customers were a lot more receptive to communication and, and emails than they previously thought. So it turned out it was actually seven emails they were able to send before customers disengaged. So that's a way that they were able to widen their channel of communication and therefore improve their, their customer contact. 
So data can really help us understand the, the, the best actions. And FA Station 10 is all about using data to create competitive advantage. So how do you see businesses using data? And is there any area of dis- decision making in business that isn't actually almost entirely data dependent? Yes, uh, actually, uh, you would be surprised. Uh, as a data consultancy, we engage with many businesses which are only at the beginning of their data journey. So before moving into some of those uh, more advanced use cases, we are very often helping organizations to start collecting data and to start deciding on the choice of a platform, allowing them to store that data to process that data, clean the data, and put it in a format that will then help them to move into uh, more advanced uh, analytics and into uh, machine learning. Now, in terms of uh, uh, not uh, being scared of of using uh, some of the data, I believe that uh, the data is a representation of what is happening in an organization. So collecting the data uh, is one stage, and then the stage where we need the human input uh, to ensure uh, that we don't uh, use the wrong data and make uh, the wrong decisions is when we analyze, uh, once again, the quality of the data we have collected and the relevance of the data uh, we have at hand. Right. So it's a matter of actually getting the data, but also being careful about how we're we're analysing it. Uh, Steve, considering your experience advising clients on data platforms, what, what have you seen people doing? We see data being collected for four main kind of reasons. Um, one of those is to understand audiences properly. Um, to predict behavior, which is becoming increasingly important. I'll I'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, Personalization, of course, we're all really familiar with. Uh, We need data in order to make sure that the content is relevant, as Tony was saying, um, and and data really provides that that context for helping us get personalization. But also for businesses to be able to segment their audiences into different groups of people to make them easier to target. Now, that kind of data usage has been going on for a long time. What we see more recently is a drive towards using real-time data to provide a much better context of what that user is doing, their location, devices, exactly what they're doing, what message I sent them yesterday, pulling all of that together in real-time to enable us to have a much more sophisticated conversation off the back of that data that we're collecting. Now, that sounds an ideal thing to do, but you know there are lots of pitfalls in, in in actually making that kind of a strategy a success. And at the moment, you know a lot of businesses are feeling their way through that and you know getting quite good responses from from utilising that data. Well, of course, adding the real time dimension, you know, adds more complexity, doesn't it? I mean, Tony, you gave some examples of of, of uh, engagement and, and customer communication, but if you add a real time element, it does it does add more uh, more complexity and and kind of uh, requires people to think more carefully about what they're doing. It's not super, but customers have been able to see in real time how many other customers are looking at a certain product on a website that's encouraging social proof where they're able to know the, the scarcity of a certain product and see how many other people are interested in buying that. That's a real-time example of using data to encourage a sale. Um, other examples might be if a, a company such as a sports betting company can see that someone's having a bit of a bad streak. The person isn't a problem gambler 
but to give them a little um, complimentary credit to keep them on the site to reduce churn. Certainly, real time is very, very powerful. Yes, and that need to be engaged with the customer's behaviour and their outcomes, I think, is really important. So, Eve, is this is this really the right way to run a business today? We make all of our decisions purely based on data. I mean, how do businesses know, you mentioned this earlier, what data they should actually be led by? Because there's a lot of different data and different ways in which it can be used. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, but once again, in my opinion, data is only a representation of what is happening in, in the business. So there, a lot is happening. And especially today, we're running uh, websites, uh, we have physical uh, 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 buildings. So we're collecting a lot of data points. Uh, now, uh, the point is, should we use the data or not? I think it's not necessarily the right question because it's a little bit like, should we decide not to take all of the information available in our organization to make decisions? And I think that would be wrong. Uh, we have so much data that there is a lot of noise in that data. And our role as data experts is to help the organization to, uh, to, to, to find the right data, the useful data uh, that can be used uh, to make business decisions and to separate that useful data from uh, the, all of the noise uh, of, of the vast volume of data uh, organizations are collecting today. So, Tony, can I come back to you? What do you think about the negatives of relying solely on data? Uh, because, you know, we've talked a lot about the wonderful ways in which you can use data, but, you know, can it be used to perhaps get the wrong results sometimes? Absolutely. Um, we've seen that where there are gaps in the data that people don't know are there and they work off that data that they have. And it's not until the, the end result comes out to the wider world that the gap is revealed. So a great example of that is the iOS 8 release in 2014 of the Apple Health Kit. So this was a fantastic all singing, all dancing health kit, which could measure your blood pressure, your glucose level, your blood alcohol, but it couldn't track periods. And at least 40, 45% of Apple's iPhone customers are women. And the first thing that you want to track when you have a calendar is, is your period. So that was a, a massive gap. And it almost wasn't the fault of the people in development because they weren't looking for it. But it kind of was because there needs to be more people in the development team who would recognize that gap, who would see these are our customers and this is what they'd want. Are we giving them what they want and what they need? Steve, I see you're nodding. Have you come across examples like that? Yes. So, I mean, and it's interesting. We, we talk about data and, and we use the word customer and kind of interchange that. And we tend to think of, of data as being customers. But actually, the need to resolve data down to an individual is really, really important. Um, we, we strongly stress the importance of having you know, a, what we call a unified profile, a profile of that person. So all the data gets resolved down to a person. Why? Because at the end of the day, you are communicating, you're marketing to, you're selling to a person. And therefore, if you know what that person is, you cannot make the mistakes about you know, generically selling something, but making something applicable for this part of the um, customer base or that part of the customer base, or making sure that you don't inadvertently um, 
make them an offer on something they've already bought or make them an offer for a product that they've recently phoned up and complained about. You know, if, if you can resolve down to an individual, you can make much better use of that data. And I think that's an important realisation that a lot of businesses are coming to uh, at the moment. And, and I mean, Evie, does common sense play a part sometimes? Do, do we sometimes have to just step back? Of course. And I think in everything we've been uh, discussing uh, until now, the problem we might have with data is the kind of bias which has been captured in the data. The problem is not data is nothing magical, uh, but data might carry all of the bias which have been brought uh, into the applications that we've been monitoring over time. So a lot of the problems we see with decisions made by algorithm today are actually a repetition of bias that have been built over time in the past. And that's where it is important to bring uh, our um, analysis and our sense of uh, doing something right when we build a model. We need to ensure that if we spot some, uh, some something wrong in what was happening in the past, we need to ensure that we're not simply building a model that will repeat all of those, once again, bias and, and all of those problems. But uh, for me, that's the, we, we need to make the, the difference between is the problem using data or is the problem the fact that data has captured our own bias, past bias, and we need to be careful to not let the data simply or the systems, especially today with machine learning, where we build systems which have a very strong capability to learn what happened in the past and to replicate that in future situations. So we have to be extremely careful that uh, we ensure that bias is corrected before we build a system that will simply replicate mistakes which have been made by humans in the past. So the value of data, obviously, is clear. We, we, we agree on that. But whether you're trying to run smarter marketing campaigns or drive com conversions in e-commerce, data does help you to generate results. But if you're focusing only on making data-driven decisions, there's a risk that the knowledge or experience or the plain old common sense that you should be relying on just falls out of the equation. So, Steve, we've talked about data a lot, but are there any occasions where we simply have to ignore the data? Yeah, so data's great at providing you with, with trend or things that have happened historically or projections out into the future. Current events, as we've seen recently, <laughs> have a habit of actually impinging on that kind of nice, smooth graph. Um, and we've seen, you know, especially with, with COVID, a, a big refactoring of the way that people use their data. You know, your, your, your data rhythms, uh, algorithms are set up to help you sell and, and market and everything else. And all of a sudden, because of the situation that was evolving, we had to slam the brakes on that and suddenly humanize that process, humanize that interaction that you're having and not just have it driven by the commercial imperative there. So there are lots of cases where, you know, the human, where, where the emotion of a human has for another human needs to come into, into play and be able to put the brakes on the, on the machines, the machine learning and, and the use of the data that's just automatic without that kind of thought. Yeah, Tony, you gave a great example earlier about getting the balance right between the lived experience and, and being guided by the data, didn't you? And I think that's often the case, isn't it? We need to remember that we're dealing with people and, uh, and the data can't tell us everything about them. 
That's true. That's true. And also we're dealing with people who are interpreting the data and we, we don't always know everything. We might inter- misinterpret things. An example of this is, um, no offense to any football fans of Newcastle United, but in 2011 to 12, there was um, a really great result where Newcastle ranked fifth in the English Premier League and everyone was really ecstatic. And then the manager got an eight-year contract and coaches got eight-year contracts. However, because football is such a low-scoring low um, game, randomness can play a really big part. And it turned out that there was a very good goal distribution, but not a big goal difference. I, I, I'm kind of using words that I'm hoping that the football people understand. But basically... Newcastle was able to score the right number of goals in the right number of games. And that's what led to them being placed really high in the Premier League. It wasn't sustainable. They also had a really good um, or phenomenal goal scorer who was converting one out of three attempts. Um, Messi at the time was converting one out of five. So these two things, these random things that happened resulted in a really high ranking that wasn't able to be replicated the following season. But because of that initial high rank, the managing director was like, okay, this is definitely a result of um, the team working well together, of the coaches doing this because of this. And it was a misinterpretation of that data. They weren't able to see because they weren't looking for the specifics of what was behind that really great result. And that's a really important thing. It comes with data literacy and being able to read all the figures that we're now getting. Yeah, the amount of data gathering in sport is 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 really getting extreme now, isn't it? But, uh, uh, you know, it can yield useful insights. Um, Hebe, let me come back to you. I mean, how do you decide which data to use, which data not to use? How do you avoid drawing the wrong conclusions? How do we work in smarter ways with data? Obviously, what we're trying to do is to apply a methodology when we work with data. And uh, we try to use framework that should ensure that we avoid uh, to fall into uh, into those kind of, uh, of, of problems you were describing. So I guess following uh, methodologies... Uh, Try to understand uh, what other organizations have been doing, what, uh, you know, uh, people uh, doing research in the field uh, have been doing uh, is, is helping us. And then obviously testing. So I guess uh, we shouldn't uh, release a model or an algorithm uh, before ensuring that we've been testing it uh, in as many situations as we can. I'm not saying that by doing that, uh, we would uh, absolutely protect us uh, against uh, any problem. But, uh, you know, we need to be uh, very careful about what we're doing. Uh, so once again, uh, methodology, uh, being sure that we understand uh, uh, the context in which we are working, being sure that we understand uh, what other people have been doing, have they failed, have they, have they succeeded on the kind of problems we are tackling, uh, and then... Uh, ensuring that we test a lot. And, and, and then there is another problem as well with, uh, with modeling and, and machine learning is ensuring that we carry on monitoring in the long terms. Because uh, what we would see is uh, people, and, and, and as a consultant, I could have you know, that, that, that problem. You go somewhere, uh, you develop something, and it's running uh, based on the data uh, you, you collected uh, up to the day where you you build uh, your model, but uh, how can you guarantee that in six months, once once the data 
change because you know the world is changing how can you ensure that those models will still be relevant at that point in time so ensuring that you have uh, the process in place to revisit regularly uh, what's been done and to reassess what's been done so we need uh, the human input uh, you know in terms of uh, being there and and always uh, checking uh, that uh, all of the hypotheses that were put uh, in, into the development of a model are still valid uh, at, you know in the future right so it's a matter of testing assumptions and because uh, and, and, data is all about particularly when you're using machine learning it's all about recognizing patterns isn't it but you need to point the data or the algorithms at the right patterns i guess steve what what, what, what have you you were talking about you know the the pandemic earlier this year and and all of the assumptions suddenly got thrown out of the window didn't they they they, they did yes it it changed dramatically the way that we needed our businesses to operate. And those that have been most successful are the ones that have been able to turn around and redeploy that data in new ways. And that's actually an interesting point because data and, and you know, who's who, who's getting that data for us? Is it the IT department? Is it the marketing department? Is it the CIO? It works best when the entire organization takes part in deciding what data is needed, how it can be collected, how it's going to be used further down the line, because that helps again with that comment about you know, getting around bias or that constant re-evaluation of those algorithms and everything else. It has to be a joined up decision by the entire organization rather than just the uh, domain of a, of a particular group of people within an organization. So final thoughts, if you can sum up in, in a sentence your advice to people about you know, getting this balance right between data and the human factor, what, what, what would you say? Tony, can I come to you first? Okay, sure. Um, that humans are imperfect and the data that we collect will be too. So we should look to it and be informed by it, but maybe not rely on it solely. Evie, what's your take? I, I strongly agree with, with that last point. And uh, I think that we are collecting more and more data. So we need to be sure uh, that uh, the people working in our organization are able to analyze the data and understand, uh, you know, how to look after the data. Uh, so, yeah, extremely important to, to, to ensure that uh, everyone has the right level of training to be able to, to make good decisions based on the data. Steve, last word? Data offers fabulous ways that we can improve our interaction with, with our clients. But data collection and usage and evaluation and everything else is a process. It has to be a continually evolving thing. And I think once businesses get that kind of mindset, they're in a better position to be flexible in how they approach that. Well, Tony, Hervé, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. And thanks to everyone who's tuned in to watch The Debunk. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Debunk and a massive thanks to all of our guests and to you for tuning in. If you'd like to keep the conversation going or want to read more exclusive content, head to the Adobe Chats page. While there, you can also catch up on the next episode of The Debunk. See you soon.